Welcome to One Book That Changed My Life, where entrepreneurs and experts share one book and the life-changing principles they applied. In each episode, you'll discover business books past and present that are changing the lives of people just like you. We'll cover some hidden gems, some lost classics, and shed new light on books you thought you knew. Guests range from up-and-coming coaches, consultants, speakers, and authors to big names sharing things they've never shared on podcasts before. I'm Matt Johnson, agency owner, podcaster, and author of Microfamous. I'll be your host for this journey through the land of life-changing books, so let's dig in. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. This is one book that changed my life. We have Nancy Ganzenkoffer with us, a very special guest, and we're talking about a very pivotal book uh, in your experience, Nancy, which I'm really excited to get into because it essentially changed the the entire trajectory of your coaching. And I think a lot of the people in the audience that are in coaching and consulting uh, can relate to where you were at and are probably looking for something similar to happen to them. So I'm really excited to share your story. Uh, and for those that might not know you, um, you are a coach, speaker, author, come from an interior design background. So many of your clients are in that space, but on the side, you by popular demand, essentially, you're getting pulled into coaching uh, coaches and consulting and other other subject matter experts like that. So when somebody runs across you and uh, they're in the business world and you think, okay, this you know person might be a potential client or a colleague or something like that, uh, how do you describe what you do? I'm the most dedicated, focused business coach you're ever going to work with or hear from. I am super motivated to help people make money. When you get bored with your own business over and over again, and you've had multiple, what do you do? You become a coach for other people growing businesses, so you can <laughs> never get bored again. <laughs> I was going to say, how does someone that is easily bored, uh, you're obviously a fast-talking, fast-moving East Coaster, how does someone yeah. like that stay focused? You know, I am very self-motivated. I really, I get a lot of pleasure from hearing from my clients oh my God, I just closed that sale. I did it. I made the money on this particular project that I've never made in my life. And thank you for giving me the words to talk to the client, giving me the marketing that attracts your clients and just teaching them the nuts and bolts. It excites me. It's mm -hmm. my clients make way more money than I make. And it excites me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was going to say, you come from that world. You've been you've been in the trenches. You made the money. You've done uh, you've done all those fun things. So, yes. yeah, it's uh, uh, we were talking before we jumped on and, and hit record just about the niche that you've chosen, and how it led. So, I want to make sure that we dive into that. So, if anybody is having the classic issue of like, hey, I've got all these skills, especially if you're a coach consultant, like you probably can apply those skills to a lot of different industries. Yes. And a lot of people are therefore going to go out and say, hey, I can serve just about anyone. Uh, the interesting thing about that is I think that's true. And I've, I'm sure, Nancy, you found this to be true. Mm -hmm. Once you start uncovering universal principles of business or human behavior, it's going to apply to a lot of different you know, people, a lot of different types of people. That doesn't mean it's best for marketing. Correct. It's not, you know, as I said to you in my New York accent, niche is rich and broad is broke. And some people mm -hmm. say niche, but it doesn't rhyme. So I say yeah, it the no, way I say no, it. I like, I like niche. <laughs> when I went into start to become a business coach, I saw so many service-based entrepreneurs that just didn't know how to market and sell and speak to people and do attraction marketing that, yeah, I went out general. Like, I'm a business coach. Who needs me? Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, no one's coming. Right. And I built it and no one's coming. So 
I took my own advice. I'm like, where is my low-lying fruit? And since I was an art framing and accessory consultant for 17 years, working with interior designers all over the New York tri-state area, I thought those are the people I know really well. I understand that business. Let me try niching down to them. And the minute I did that, it was clear to everyone watching me, what was I doing? I was a business coach for interior designers. But as the years have gone by, other coaches have come to me. And I can't tell you how many interior designers are now coaches. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, that's got to be incredibly fulfilling. I, I love that to see people that have come up through your belief system, go out and then start talking about some of the same things that you talk about and start helping people. That's really amazing. Um, so set the scene a little bit. You mentioned kind of where you're at in the business. You're having this kind of a time period where you felt like you were unfocused in the way that you were presenting yourself, even though you have really fantastic high-level coaching skills. Um, so tell me a little bit about where you were at, uh, kind of when you encountered the book that we're going to talk about. You know, I probably started out like many of your listeners where I kind of created my own website when I became a coach because I didn't want to spend any money on doing it right. And I was three years in and I thought, okay, I'm making money now. I'm going to hire a branding company and really do everything right. And one of the exercises the branding company had me go through is if you could have a dinner party and you could only have three people there, who would it be? Okay. And everybody I chose had science behind what they talked about, right? I chose Brené Brown. I chose Vanessa Van Edwards, who's a certified body language trainer at the Science of People. Uh, I think actually I chose my one of my kids also, my son, because he's just so impressive with his knowledge and how he researches. And those are my three people. And what happened was imposter syndrome started to rise up in me. Like, Mm. How do I have the right to teach people sales, marketing, systems, profitability, pricing? When I, it's coming from my gut, from being my age, 57, and having gone through working for banking as a first vice president, running two of my own businesses, and now I'm here, and I still felt like an imposter. I wanted to have something science-based behind what I taught, or to enhance what I taught. And that's when I came upon the light bulb moment that said, well, why don't I actually do something about that? And that's (laughs) when I decided to become a body language trainer Mm -hmm. and get certified in it because a lot of the marketing and sales and your first impression and networking and making connections that are going to help you grow your business have a lot to do with your nonverbal brand. And that Mm -hmm. is where I wanted to put my first certification and my first science behind it. Yeah, and you're you're definitely coming from a, a both a a background where you yourself most of your high level interactions with something on the line are in person, where your body language is you know something like what seventy percent of of what you're communicating between sixty and eighty percent of your nonverbal brand is more important than what you say. And if you think about it, it really makes sense. If you see somebody up on stage and they're just standing there behind a podium talking, everyone's kind of getting bored, right? But if you have a dynamic speaker who's using the stage and using their hand gestures and changing the tone of their voice and the pace of how they're speaking, it's keeping you awake. It's keeping you interested in them. Mm -hmm. And I actually have an interesting statistic. I wrote it down so I wouldn't get it wrong. (laughs) The most watched TED Talks have on average 465 hand gestures. The least watched TED Talks have 272. Hmm. Okay. So a little more hand-waving, just visual, the little visual interest in, in driving home the points that you're making. 
Well, not just that also, but it's also helping comprehension. Comprehension really? is much higher. Like if you're making points, you can say one, two, three. You know, okay. point number one is this. Point number two is this, right? It's it's actually mm-hmm. so they don't have to listen to every one of your words. It's also being embedded in their visual and it's wow. adhering it to their brains yeah I, love my it. Dog. <laughs> I can hear that's all right i've got a dog sitting over here too so who knows he might get them both talking to each other they'll be on the podcast all right so uh so you're it's interesting because i think there's so many of us that do have an imposter syndrome which it, it crops up in odd odd places right it it ha- it pops up all the time right yeah the minute you have a struggle in your life you suddenly feel like you're not able to handle it. Maybe you don't know enough. Maybe somebody can do it better. You start looking at other people and seeing how they do it and that they're attracting certain types. Mm-hmm. And it makes you very nervous. And it could really lock up a coach in particular yeah. because you're teaching other people. And I just want to tell all your listeners, your only goal is to be one step ahead of your client. If mm-hmm. that's all you are, you're enough to be doing what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Now it's working on your own mindset to feel that. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I mean, it's uh, a third grader can learn a lot from a fourth grader. All you need is exactly. just to have that, that little extra year of experience. So let's talk about Captivate. So you were looking for something that had a scientific basis. You came across this book. I don't remember if, it, I don't know if you remember how the book came into your life. Um, but what do you remember now looking back on it the, you know, years later, what was the big idea that you took away from the book that caused you to kind of start steering your coaching practice in the direction of body language? The big idea is just watching other people try to sell to people in person and see how disastrous they were <laughs> when they were doing it. <laughs> it was seriously like, are you seeing yourself? Okay. And let me clue you in on what you should be doing, mm-hmm. especially with creatives. I mean, people who are very creative, like I, started my coaching practice. It's still very largely interior designers. They are very creative. Um, They call themselves ADD often and unfocused. And I just want to go create pretty things. And they're not really as business minded. And you have to, for some people pointing it out to them, the very specific things they're doing that could enhance their business. It makes a huge difference in their profitability and their confidence, right? It really enhances their confidence. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting because it's such a, I mean, sometimes those small tweaks can make a huge difference and we don't realize what we're doing. Uh, I was just reading something the other day about one of my favorite musicians who came up in the eighties and he said, the video camera is the best thing that ever happened to me. It's like I videotape and review all my shows because you just don't realize the things that you're doing when you're in your own body, when you're just going about something, even something that you're really confident in, you really don't understand how you look and how your body looks to the outside because it, it looks different than what it feels like to be in it. Um, I was just doing a stretch the other day and, uh, and realizing that, Hey, like whatever I think is it like a straight back internally is not actually what a straight back is. Like it feels in order to actually do something with a straight back, it feels very different. Uh, so just having that little bit of feedback is, is huge because our, our bodies feel differently internally. And we probably have no idea what kind of impression we're leaving on, on somebody else. Correct. You have no, you have no idea. You're not, if you're not watching that person, watch you, Mm -hmm. right? First of all, people are in their own heads. They're doing what they're doing. They're looking around. They're not realizing they're being observed sometimes. Mm -hmm. And one of the core principles in this book is your first impression is huge, right? Someone can decide to hire you or not hire you 
based on the first three seconds they see you coming out of your car, flustered, hands all right, like or on a video. If if when you came on to see me, I was you know my back to you or not even here. Like mm-hmm. that's a first impression that is never really going to go away in your subconscious about me, right? Yeah, so. Sure. All these little things that most people don't pay attention to. They pay attention mm-hmm. to their words. When they're making a presentation, what am I going to say? Let's lay it out. Let's get the outline. They practice that. They don't necessarily practice anything else. Mm. No. Okay. So I've got a speaking presentation coming up next week. Uh, I still have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'll figure that out. So uh, as, as I mean, any good entrepreneur should be able to whip out something, you know, 20 minutes uh, with, with little notice. Uh, so how do you think about that when you go into a situation? I don't do a ton of public speaking, so it's not, it's not like I have a bunch of habits. So how would you recommend somebody like that that starts to get those types of opportunities when your natural reaction is to focus and worry about the content? Do you want them focusing on their body language while they're up there? Or do you want them focusing on their body language in advance and start building up some habits so that it's habitual once they get on stage? Both. All three. Yes. You really, when you walk into that room and you're going to be a presenter, you're Mm -hmm. already being judged by people who are looking at you. So your hands should be free. You should be waving, you know, wave, smile, keep Mm -hmm. your body language tall and open, not like shrinking somewhere, getting ready in your own head, but actually walking the space and looking people in the eye, that right away is going to connect you with them. And they're going to be interested. Oh, I saw that guy. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he smiled, right? Mm-hmm. Or he waved at me. Oh, make it your own. It's your party, right? Okay. Even if you're one of 10 presenters. Uh, and then when you get up on stage, yeah, always face the audience. I see a lot of people turn on the side, right. uh, use a clicker, not a microphone, try to get um, a headset to make sure mm-hmm. that your hands are free. Because Using your hand gestures increases people's comprehension. It increases their trust of you. Uh, don't stand behind a podium. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, for a pastor's kid, that's tough not to have a podium on stage. <laughs> I know. It's very what, what do I What do I put my hands on and rock against? <laughs> <laughs> it is hard, but you walk the stage yeah. and you look at people who are When you're speaking, there are going to be certain people who sit there and just don't have any expression. And then you're going to get people who just nod once in a while with something you said connected with them. You want to look at those people as if there is a string between your eyes and theirs. Look at them and then find someone else who's nodding and and look at them. Focus on what you're teaching people and not on exactly what they may be making you feel am i Mm -hmm. teaching them something of value and that's where your confidence will come in let's take a quick break from the conversation are you interested in running a podcast like this then check out our done for you service and grab a 15-minute podcast brainstorm call we'll talk through your podcast idea and the business behind it so you'll know exactly how a podcast can attract ideal clients and bring you five to ten x return schedule your call today at pursuingresults.com and now let's jump back into the conversation So what are some things that you tend to work with on clients that are, I don't know, fairly universal? Things that most uh, like service professionals, like your interior designer clients, when they're meeting people in person, what are some of the things that they commonly struggle with that you have to like just get out of the way right off the bat? 
So interestingly enough, I do this when I do presentations because I am a speaker as well. And when I do live body language presentations, I do this exercise where I have everyone stand up, face one other person and tell a story of their favorite vacation, but observe where they're gazing into that other person's eyes or into their face. There are actually three different types of gazes that people don't know. There's a power gaze. There's a social gaze and then there's an intimate gaze, which is, mm. you know, for your romantic partner. So we won't okay. talk about that. Okay. But so I, sh- so I shouldn't be giving that out indiscriminately. Well, I will tell you, I'm in the dating world and dating being a body language trainer is dangerous for any man. <laughs> <laughs> because the I minute I you. say I'm a body language trainer, they get all like, oh, yeah. oh, what's my body language telling you? I'm like, it's telling me you're fabulous. Like, that's all yeah. I say. Um, but anyway, just a funny sidebar. But <laughs> most creatives, interior designers, in the case of what I originally teach, uh, only taught, were they're all social gazers. That is where mm-hmm. you're looking in someone's eyes down to about right under their nose. When your mm-hmm. eyes wander, when you're looking at your friends, you don't stare right into someone's eyes. Your eyes look in their eyes, but your mm-hmm. eyes wander. It's okay. natural. Bouncing right? around a little bit. Okay. Right. You're not like beady eyed yeah. looking into yeah. their eyes. So when your eyes wander, you want it to wander almost in a triangle down below your nose. Your eyes are the straight line at the top and then down mm-hmm. to under your nose. That's a social gaze. If you are in a negotiation or you are being hired to be a professional in any situation, you want to power gaze, which is basically taking that triangle that was inverted down below your nose is the point. You're going to flip it up and you never want your eyes to go below eye level. And when your eyes wander, wander up by the forehead area. That's interesting. It will change a negotiation to, I don't know if I really want to do this to, yep, I'm ready to do it. And I have proven it over and over again when I teach this to interior designers. I met with that client. They won't sign it. I don't think I'm going to get it. I'm like, are you meeting with them again? Try this one thing different. And sometimes I'll add two, which I want your hands to be above the table, not what our mothers taught us to put our hands in our lap at a table, <laughs> right? No, actually bring your hands, right? Bring your hands <laughs> okay. up, use your hands. I'm all Italian, so I'm always using my hands, mm-hmm. but keep your hands above. Look as a power gazer to your clients and they will then perceive you more as a leader than as a friend who has a skill that they might need. It changes your interaction. I'm a natural power gazer. Uh I actually had to teach myself to social gaze. No way. Yeah. Why why do you think you're a natural power gazer? That's interesting. I'm a a leader. You know what I mean? I'm a natural leader. So when I walk into a room and I'm having conversations, I am identified as a leader. And I didn't never understood I did never understood. Well, that's not a full sentence. I never really understood how that was happening. And I realized in doing this training, because I became certified by the author of the book, Captivate, as a certified body language trainer. She is she's my coach um, and she's fabulous. And it all started with this book. I had to train myself to be a social gazer. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I have to I'll have to ask some people I know which one I am, because I've always been perceived as a leader, even going back to when I was a small kid, who know, maybe it's something like that. I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how I ended up with it either. But if we're natural leaders and we're um, salespeople, 
negotiators, all that seems to go hand in hand for me that what I found with the power gaze. And then to kind of take it down a notch and just be friendly and friends and attract friendships in your life. You want to correct that because otherwise you may not attract the type of friends you're really looking for. It's almost like making you a warmer feeling person by just changing that one thing. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm loving this so far. So let me ask you one uh, sort of selfish question, uh, because I'm curious about the clients that you work with and you talk about uh, hand gestures, body language being open. Have you noticed any commonalities in the differences between uh, introverts dealing with their body language and the challenges they have versus extroverts who are more just, I mean, extroverts are more outward driven anyway. They're natural people, people, they're a little bit more socially savvy that they've put themselves in more situations over the years to be and build that social savviness up. Um, Have you noticed that introverts struggle more with body language or is it just a matter of having different challenges? It, they struggle probably slightly more, but more so it's different challenges. If I have somebody who's an extreme extrovert I'm literally telling them, don't have jazz hands when you speak, <laughs> right? <laughs> Bring it into your 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 zone. So basically every Sicilian ever. Like, hey, exactly. tone, it, tone it down <laughs> Exactly. Tone it down. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I need you to tone down your body language a little bit more to make you feel more approachable and warm. And for an introvert, it really is a harder, it, it, I take them through the baby steps, basically. Mm. Try this one thing. I mean, imagine just, your entire week, Matt, if you're a power gazer, mm-hmm. try to be a social gazer. Yeah. And if you feel like, wow, that's different for me and it's a struggle, then you probably are a natural power gazer. And that's your way mm-hmm. of diagnosing yourself. So mm-hmm. for a an introvert, it is very small baby steps, but they can totally get there. And we're not trying to turn them into, you know, you or I, we're just trying to make them feel more comfortable in their skin that makes them confident to go into situations that they may not have done up till now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm partially asking for myself because I'm an extroverted introvert. So I can turn it on when I need it. And there, there's a lot of people in my audience that are the same way, especially when you get into the coaching speaking world. So if you're if you're the kind of person that naturally writes books and then you speak, there, so you're gonna you're gonna typically fall on one strength or the other. Like there's very few people out there that are like true ambiverts. So what I find is that look, you're either the natural speaker who like dictated your book to somebody, and that's how like you're you're a natural you know extroverted speaker, and you speak to think, or you're an author who then like me has to go out and speak, and you'd rather much be, you know you'd much rather be writing because honestly that's that's more fun. Um, I'm way not that, for me. I'm the no, opposite. The I opposite. spoke okay. my book, and one of my staff members dictated it or translated it. I slaved over my book and then I have to go talk about it. So uh, in that intro that like there's just that that divide, which I've noticed. And so it it makes sense to me that introverts would would have different challenges. I I, I agree that maybe it's slightly more challenging on the body language thing, because I think just introverts don't have the sheer that, you know, 10,000 hours in the seat, so to speak, of repetition of being continually in uh, social situations where we build up that subconscious lizard brain awareness of what's going on. And so, yeah, it's really hard not to get in your head when you're in those situations. So, um, all right, let's talk about who your ideal people are if they're in the audience. Uh, obviously, our audience is full of a lot of coaches, consultants, speaker, author types. So how would they know, other than just the fact that you're delightful and maybe they just want to hang out with you, uh, how would they know that you're the ideal person to work with? 
you know, go check out all my social media. Basically, <laughs> I have a, a social, I have a Facebook group for interior designers. So if you're not an interior designer, you don't need to be in there. The interior mm-hmm. design um, business forum. And then I have another Facebook group was just starting to up for coaches and consultants called the coaching hotspot. And that's where I'm starting to go live in there to teach people how I grew my business to what it is today, which is very profitable. And I'm really attracting the people I want to work with. I'm ready to teach other coaches and consultants how to do that. Now I have already taught a ton of them. Naturally, they have come to me, but now I am directly going after like, listen, let me show you how I built this business. Let me show you how I have an email list of 7,000 and 25,000 on LinkedIn and and social media. I won't even quote everything (laughs) because I teach attraction marketing, not paid advertising marketing, right? And that's where also that attraction marketing, this body language really helps when you're trying to put yourself out there and getting the guts to do video, mm-hmm. even audio, right? Body language and nonverbal brand includes your voice, your tone of voice, your pace, your volume. That's all included in body language. So mm-hmm. um, it's just so much fun. So I am basically the business coach for people who want to service-based entrepreneurs who want to grow their business to the next level with attraction marketing. Yeah, I That's love what it. I love to do. And I'm very much in the same space. I don't, I don't, I, I've, I've, t- you know, tinkered with, uh, with paid advertising myself. I know some people that make it work, but man, there's not many, you know, it's I mean, brutal. I would say maybe the top 5% of those in the info marketing world can make paid advertising work. Everybody else is chasing and overspending, trying to, you know, basically just kind of trying to stay afloat. So I think in this day and age, it has to be, your business has to be constructed to be shareable, spreadable by word of mouth and attraction. Otherwise, even when you go to, even when you go to pay for attention, if you don't have something that's worthy of attention that you're already getting, you know, business by attraction, even when you go to spend money, it just, it just doesn't, doesn't click. So yeah, I think that's very important. And I completely agree with that approach. So hopefully people go check out not only the website, but you're on every social media platform. So you mentioned LinkedIn, you know, you've got the Facebook group for coaches starting up, you've got your Instagram profile as well. So hopefully people get connected up there. And Nancy, it was a pleasure. I was, I mean, obviously it was the exact conversation I knew that we would have, but then we went in some fun, interesting places with your own coaching and you have amazing uh, tips and techniques that we can keep in mind. And I got selfishly some coaching on what I got to do next week. So it's it's been great for me. (laughs) I don't know about you, but it's been fantastic. Okay. Uh, You owe me. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm glad. I'm glad I could help you out with, you know, with your coming presentation. You'll do great. I appreciate that. Well, Nancy, (laughs) thank you so much. We appreciate you being here. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing the show. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other entrepreneurs and experts. Every time you share the show, you're putting life-changing ideas into someone's life. Now to get the micro-famous field report that helps you turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, go to microfamous.substack.com and enter your email to access it for free. That's where you get all my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, everything goes into the micro-famous field report. So go to Substack, sign up for that today so you get that and stay tuned for the next episode of One Book That Changed My Life. We'll see you there.